Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, come on today's episode. We have an amazing guest as usual. She reigns from the area of Canada and she loves her Pilates. We're going to talk about what Pilates is and all that. And her name is Janet Danielson. Hello, welcome to the show, Janet. How are you doing today? I'm great, Erin. How are you? Good. Are you originally from Canada or did you know? No, I am like, I am born, raised Canadian. Yeah, I'm actually from agricultural province called Saskatchewan. So grew up in a small farming community and then moved for university about three and a half hours away from my hometown. And this is where my husband and I, who is also, we were high school sweethearts. So we came to the same university and we started our careers here, you know, started as employees for other organizations. And then we both expanded into, you know, our our entrepreneurial spirit was definitely um, kind of making us shift away from, you know, that employee world to entrepreneurism. And so we both own our own businesses here in Saskatoon, Canada, and um, yeah, have raised our family here. So that's kind of what where where we're at. That's a lot from farming to high school to unpack that a little bit. What was it like growing in the farm on the farm? Oh gosh. Um, Of course, when you're a farm kid, you know, and we would have friends, cousins from the city would come. It was kind of like that, kind of like that kid's story, you know, city mouse, country mouse. (laughs) As farm kids, we were like, oh, we wish we were city kids. And now there's times where we've raised our boys in the city and there's just things where I'm like, man, there's definitely, you know, some some major differences. And so for me, I mean, growing up on the farm in a small farming community, it meant 
learning very quickly that, you know, community was very, very key. You helped your neighbors when they needed help. You know, if someone was ill, you did bake sales to help them raise money to go for their treatments. If someone wasn't quite done their harvest and you were, you would send your equipment and your your hired men to go and, and help them. And, you know, you knew everybody in your school. You started with them in kindergarten and you graduated grade 12. And if you didn't play all the sports, your, your town didn't have a team and all those things, right? Like you all those rules, like you never date a boy from your town. So when me and my you know, husband started dating, it was like, oh my gosh, they're from the same town. You know, we were kind of breaking those rules, but I loved it, right? It was open air and huge gardens and um, just a really, what I like to think of, you know, a very simple upbringing and probably one that I took for granted for, for many, many years. So yeah, I I loved and love being a farm girl. I think that it definitely molded me into the person who I am. A lot of obviously my beliefs and value systems were rooted in my upbringing and um it's interesting how just one generation with our boys not being brought up on the farm because we really were the first generation out of both of our families to move away from the farm to the city. Yeah, it sure didn't take long for our boys to <laughs> lose that country or farm upbringing uh, vibe, definitely. So, yeah, I loved it. Wow. And um, not being on the farm, do you kind of regret living on the farm today in some way? Um, you know, I think that I'll always have a very soft spot for the farm. But when I think of what I do, like my business today, um, and so I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I'll just, you know, touch on it now is that, you know, I became a wellness entrepreneur because of my own health issues. And my health issues actually stemmed from, you know, my, my high school days. I had a lot of digestive pain, which as the firstborn, you know, a type personality that I I am. I would always chalk up my digestive pain to, you know, studying for an exam or, you know, there was a big volleyball tournament coming up, what, you know, and so I would just get these stomach issues. When I moved from our little farming town to the city to go to university, my pain actually started increasing quite substantially. And so my business today is a direct cause and effect from my own health issues. And when I started on my on my journey to try and heal my body, I went to what I knew, which was, you know, the classical Western medicine model. So you go to your doctor when you're not feeling good and then there is a diagnosis and a prescription and then you finish your prescription and you get better. And that's what I believe. And this time, this was a little bit different. I, I went to my doctor and, you know, she referred me to some specialists and I had some tests done and the tests came back inconclusive and they couldn't figure out, you know, what was causing my pain. And so I just went to the next group of specialists and the next group of specialists and I kept getting the same answer. And, and this is, you know, the one common outcome from each of those specialists or doctor's visits was actually a new medication. So you know, about 16 months into this experience of trying to figure out why my body was in so much pain. On the outside, I looked perfectly healthy. On the inside, I didn't even want to get out of bed. 
you know, Jason had just proposed to me and I started thinking like, why would I marry this guy? Why would I put him through a lifetime of pain and suffering? Because as his wife, who knows? Like, I didn't know if I could have kids. I didn't know if I'd be able to work and contribute to, you know, to our family financially because I was in pain. I was, you know, 22 years old and I was on 11 different medications. And finally, in my last doctor's visit, my doctor told me that everyone that had seen me over the past year and a half concluded that the pain was in my head and that I was seeking attention and I should have a nice life. And that's that's a direct quote. And, you know, Aaron, those words, they still have as much emotional charge today when I talk about it as they did, you know, over 20 years ago, because for about a three-month period after that conversation, I went into a deep depression. I believed that maybe, you know, God decided that I would, you know, I pulled the short straw and I was to have this lifetime of pain. I, I started thinking like, what did I do? What did I do wrong in my life to make this be my reality? And I was playing tricks on myself. It was a pretty dark time in my life. And then one day, you know, everybody has a story. One day I ended up being at the grocery store in line waiting to pay for my groceries. And I looked over and you know what, at each checkout, they have like the magazine stand. And so I looked over and there was a fitness magazine and Madonna was on the cover of it. And it had the word Pilates across the front of the magazine. And I was like, I thought like, what is Madonna doing now? And I'm, I'm a big Madonna fan. So I bought the magazine. I didn't even know that it was pronounced Pilates. I thought I thought it was Pilots. But I went home, unpacked my groceries, and I read the article. And I read the article over and over and over because it didn't make sense to me what I was reading. I was reading about this form of movement that was all about spinal movement and all about diaphragmatic breathing. And they were talking about success stories that people had in changing their bodies, improving their quality of life. And in my brain that was so used to classical fitness, meaning you had to leave a puddle of sweat on the floor. If you weren't huffing and puffing or if you, you know, if you couldn't walk up the stairs the next day, you mustn't have worked out hard enough. That's what I believe. And I was a fitness instructor at that point. And that's really what I, that's what I believed. And I thought, how could these simple movements and this simple breathing technique change people's bodies like this? And so I was intrigued enough to go out and buy a new pair of leggings and a water bottle and a Pilates mat. And I found a, a Pilates mat class and I signed up for it twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And I started going. And the first time I walked into that class, I surveyed the room and and I, in my mind, my competitive mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to be the best Pilates student in this room because I was judging everybody else. Everyone else was, they were different ages, different body shapes and sizes. And I just decided in that moment when I walked in and put my mat down that I was going to be the best student in the room. Well, little did I know when the instructor started teaching us and she started to walk us through the whole concept of diaphragmatic breathing, you know, using your diaphragm muscle for air exchange and really, you know, filling your belly with air and exhaling. And she was saying these words and they were English, but they might as well have been a foreign language because as I was like looking in my peripheral vision and watching other people's bodies respond beautifully to her words, my body was completely locked down. I could feel the breath enter my nose and hit the back of my throat, but I could feel the breath get stuck at my collarbone. 
my collarbones. I could not feel air going down into my belly. I couldn't feel any of the things that she was asking us to feel or encouraging us to search and find. What could have been a very discouraging experience, I was like, wait a minute, why? Like, why is my body so locked down? What is it protecting? I need this movement in my life. And so I kept coming. I kept going every Tuesday and Thursday night. And, you know, after a month, I could finally feel some movement in my diaphragm. You know, after eight weeks, my spine was moving differently. Prior to Pilates, if I missed any of my doses of medication, I would have been through the roof with pain, like even if it was only half an hour. And I started noticing, I'd look at the clock and it'd be like 12.30 and I was supposed to take certain pills at noon. And I'd be like, oh, wait, like I missed my pills. And why is my stomach not hurting? And and so I decided then as a little bit of, you know, being a little superstitious, I'm like, I can't tell anybody because this will go away. I'll start feeling pain. I would knock on wood. I would cross my fingers. I would do, you know, throw, throw salt over my shoulder. Everything that, you know, we're told that are, you know, good superstitions. And so then I started playing around with my medication. And I was like, what if I cut this medication in half? Or what if I change this? You know, and I just started doing that, taking less and less and less 16 weeks after my first Pilates class I was actually off of all of my medication and my body I recognized that it was in a very high state of inflammation and I was protecting it because I was always in pain I noticed that my posture started changing my appetite started changing I was drinking more water my body started looking different it was definitely feeling different that was the reason that I completely shifted my career because I wanted to learn more about what just happened in my body and how can I help others experience the same thing. And so that's what I did. I got my Pilates certification and I was a, I was, my, my schooling is in business. So I was a, I was a human resource consultant by trade. I helped companies, you know, make sure that their workforce was, was efficient. And we would do, you know, I would do lots of different project work, but And I loved doing that. I loved helping people's businesses get healthy. But when I started learning more and doing my Pilates certification, it really is where my heart and soul, you know, belonged. And so I started teaching out of our home in 2008. And and that grew from four classes to 16 classes with just over a year. And so we opened our first studio, our commercial studio in 2010. That grew very quickly. In 2015, we expanded from a 2,200 square foot facility to a 9,000 square foot facility where we are right now. And the vision when we expanded was to have, you know, a movement studio with Pilates and other forms of movement, real nutritious movement, and an integrated health therapies clinic all under the same roof with a team of clinicians and instructors and administrators that believed in an integrated model to health and wellness. And, and that's what we, that's, that's what I built. I have a team of 50 clinicians, instructors, and administrators. We offer chiropractic care. We offer physiotherapy, massage therapy, fascial stretch therapy, naturopathic medicine, osteopathy, mental health services, nutrition services, acupuncture, Reiki, reflexology, and body talk along with fascial stretch therapy and then the movement therapy that comes through Pilates and the other forms of movement that we teach really provide our clients and patients with a full body experience that they can literally, you know, get out of a pain cycle and start to understand about their body. Because if people don't know about their body, it's really easy to be a less than active participant in our health and wellness, or we believe that, you know, we need this medication. And in some cases, yes, medication is required, but 
in a lot of cases, if you really understand your body from the inside out and you learn how to listen to its cues, it's miraculous what it can what it can do. So yeah, that's my story from farm to city and from you know human resource consultant to wellness entrepreneur. And I am uh, I'm just so grateful that I get to impact lives that I that I get to every single day. Yeah, it just shows you how movement saves your life and it saves others. And in doing your first class, you said that you were a very competitive person. You want to be the best person. Does that still exist today? Is that kind of the character that makes Janice drive in business and Pilates and fitness and all that? Oh gosh, that's a good that's a good question, Erin. You know, I have shifted so much just personally. Like I've been on my own. So if we were having this conversation, you know, five years ago, even three years ago, I would say that I was a very, my body was healthy, but I don't think that my mindset was overly healthy as an entrepreneur. And I mean, we had three beautiful boys, they're 16, 18 and 21. So I'm balancing, you know, being a mom and an entrepreneur and a wife and all these things. But I used to believe that you had to work hard to be successful. And by hard, I meant like you have to work 12 to 14 hours a day. Like you have to do all the things. I remember when people would say to me, oh, Jana, I don't know how you do it all. Like that would be like this. It was like the best compliment anyone could give me. But, you know, Aaron, I realized how almost toxic that was because it's not about you know, whatever that belief system was that made me believe that in order to be successful, you have to work hard. Yes, of course. I mean, starting a business while you're growing a family is, you know, it's not, it's not always smooth sailing, but the today Jana takes much better care of her body and her mind and her spirit through, you know, basic, I call them my in rituals. So it's my habits that I do, you know, every single morning that, you know, nurture my mind and, you know, fill, fill up my gratitude cup. So I would say, you know, do I still strive for excellence? I mean, in the things I do, of course, I never want to go into something mediocre, but that the definition of excellence has changed. And I think these days I'm also much better at saying no to things that do not serve me and really focus on where can I be making the biggest impact in this project or in this, you know, with this business decision or with my family, when I can, with confidence and authenticity, answer it with, yeah, like this is, this is the direction or yes to that project. Then it just, it it feels, it feels really, it feels really good to be at that point in my life. You know, we all wear many hats, but it must be crazy to be a mom, an entrepreneur, fitness instructor, Pilates. How do you manage all these plates jumbling at once? You know, it really, I mean, I've created some really important boundaries. I guess that's the first thing is that when you have like even my team at my studio and clinic, right? Like there's 50 people that have access to me and I love, like I love coaching them. I love mentoring them. I love challenging them. But it can, you know, it can be a lot at times. And so, you know, the first thing that I've had to do with my team, as an example, is, you know, set some boundaries around when am I available? When am I not available? You know, we use Slack as our internal, you know, texting application. And so that was the number one thing that really changed for me is when I put boundaries around my time, it became almost a more valuable resource because it allows me to take the 
time that I need, you know, in between a day of, you know, full on meetings for eight hours, uh, when I can schedule in little breaks, or when I know that, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays are when I do all of my teaching. So if someone needs to see me for a private session, or when I'm teaching my group classes, I package that all into Monday and Tuesday. And then, you know, Wednesday and Thursday tend to be more of my, you know, heads down days, the days that I have meetings, you know, if my staff needs to spend some time with me, I'll do it on those days. I'm, you know, doing a lot of business development on those days. And then Fridays, I just tend to make a bit of a lighter day if I have to, you know, if there are any loose ends from the week, start thinking about next week. And that, you know, what I had to, I had to really consciously make that, make, make my schedule serve me instead of me serving my schedule. Cause that definitely was not working. Cause like you said, I mean, our boys are older now, but they still need me in a different way. They don't need me to drive them all over the place to their activities. Or, you know, if I have something in the evening, it's not detrimental that I'm home to make supper. They can, you know, they can make themselves something to eat. But it's still important to be present because, um, you know, I find that our boys, they need, you know, they need mom and dad time, even though it's, it's different, they still, they still need it. And so that's how I really do it is I try and organize my weeks as best I can. And knowing that there's going to be some weeks where it kind of goes sideways, there are non-negotiables for me these days that I just won't, you know, like I, I won't work on Sundays anymore. I keep my Saturdays to an absolute minimum. I try and have my computer closed. You know, I teach on Monday nights, so Monday's a little bit of an anomaly, but the, you know, the rest of the week I try and have my computer closed by the time we eat supper and, and not open it up after. And so those simple actions go a long way to protecting my time, right? Because I wanna be up. I like being up early. I like getting in my movement. I like getting in you know, my husband and I, he gets up after I do, you know, my workout and he gets up and we do our Wim Hof breathing together. We do our positive prime beside each other while we're, uh, you know, before our day starts. I'm making sure that I put my favorite essential oil in my diffuser. You know, we do a little bit of fascia release stuff. And so that morning routine for me has become very important to the way I approach my day because I've taken the time to, like I said, feed my body, mind and spirit. And then I am ready for the rest of the day, which is not always the case, right? I used to get up, get ready, go downstairs and, and open my laptop while I was making my breakfast. And I was responding, you know, first thing in the morning, I didn't give my body and my brain time to, you know, wake up and, and do a little bit of gratitude work. And um, it's made an absolute tremendous change for me in how I manage all of the rules that I do in a day. You know, our morning routines are so important for the day. It kind of sets us up for the for right day. I'm wondering what fuels you to keep that energy and drive to create the business and the family and everything you do so well and so excellent. For me, it's really one one simple word, and that word is impact. Right. I believe that I was put here on this earth to create impact, like global impact, because I feel like Pilates as my you know, Pilates is just one of the tools in my toolbox. I've done lots of other training when it comes to, you know, movement and, and wellness. And I mean, an example of that is pelvic floor health is one of the things that I just, it's one of my, it's one of my passion projects is helping men and women redefine what pelvic floor health is. And so when I think about, you know, what keeps me going, 
you know, on those days where I'm like, oh, I, yeah, I got, you know, I planned a Facebook Live and I look and there's like seven people on it. And I'm like, oh, seven people. Like, but then I have to realize that, you know, that video in the next, you know, month or two could be seen by thousands of people. And what if it wasn't? But what if, what if those seven people really needed to hear my message that day or whatever I was educating on? And so that, you know, when it comes, when it always comes back to impact and if I can impact one person who can then impact, you know, five or 10 other people, like the, it, it gets, you know, the, it exponentially grows really quickly. So that's, that's my key motivator, right? Is that, you know, the more people that I can impact, the more lives that can be improved, the more education that I can, you know, transfer from my experiences to someone else or to be able to say to someone, I hear you. You know, I, I was in that situation or I helped the client through that situation. For a lot of men and women around the world, depending on what they're dealing with from a physical, you know, their physical body, it just doesn't end in the physical body. What we feel physically impacts all of our body systems impacts like i said our our mindset you know the way we the way we approach things the way we think about things so yeah for me it, it is all about impact if you think about in your own story if you hadn't gone to the classic class you'd probably still be on medication right now and that classic class saved you in some way you know exactly People think Pilates is just, I'm going to move, have this ball, and there we go. But I really think people don't really know what Pilates is in a way where they think, oh, it's just this fancy, you know, exercise, but it's way more. It helps, like you said, our mind, our body, and movement, and so on. Yeah. Pilates has quite a colorful history. So Joseph Pilates is the name of the gentleman that created this form of movement. Now, Joseph was born in the late 1890s in Germany, and he had a very unique upbringing. So his mom was a naturopath, and his dad was like a circus performer. He was a gymnast, so he would travel with the circus. And Joe himself was not a very healthy child. Um, he had asthma, rickets, which is like like a disease of the of the joints. It really softens the joints, and rheumatic fever. So Joe actually spent a lot of his childhood observing other people and animals move. He loved watching animals move. And he was so intrigued by the fact that, you know, a cat could be sleeping in the sunshine, like completely calm. And, you know, that cat could be startled by something and it would go from complete rest to complete ready in like seconds. So he became quite intrigued with the body. And as a young German man, Joe went to England and he was also, you know, working in circuses. And, and he was in England, actually, when the World War broke out. And as a German living in England, he was interned at an internment camp. And his role in this camp was like a physiotherapist's assistant. So what he did, his job basically was to move the bodies of the detainees in this internment camp. So every day he would take the able-bodied detainees through almost like a Greco-Roman wrestling type calisthenic standing workout. And over time that became the Pilates mat work. Now, 
the detainees that were injured and bedridden, Joe was very, he was an inventor. Like I believe he has like over 300 patents to his name. He would weld these uprights, they're called, to the back of, you know, the bed frame. And he would create pulley systems to be able to move the arms and legs. He would take springs off of the bed and, you know, he would help people move using the force of springs. And he just created opportunities for movement. And so when the Spanish influenza pandemic went, you know, across the globe, no one in Joe's internment camp died. People really took notice of this. Like, what was this movement and this breathing that this young German man was teaching to these other detainees? And Hitler was one of these people who took notice. And so Joe was actually summoned back to Germany to have a meeting with Hitler. And Hitler basically, you know, shared his vision and it didn't quite align with uh, the values and beliefs of Joe Pilates. So he did not, you know, take Adolf Hitler up on his deal for him to join, join his army and train his troops. And at that point, he actually hopped on a boat, came over to North America and ended up in New York City, where he started working for a boxing promoter, training his athletes so they would be just as strong with a left hook as with a right hook. So initially, Pilates was a very male focused form of movement. And then once Joe settled in New York City and started building some of his equipment today, we've heard, you know, some of you may know about Pilates Reformer and the Pilates chair and the trapeze table. Joe actually created those pieces of equipment. He's, again, you know, so many patents and, and, and just brought his movement to North America. And he, so there's, there's kind of a recipe. And one of the things I love most about this form of movement is that it does not discriminate between age or gender or ability, nothing, nothing like that. You know, I've worked with professional athletes. I have worked with grandmas and grandpas in their 90s. I have worked with women, you know, who come to see me or do a class and the next day they have their baby. I have worked with quadriplegics. I have worked with kids. I have worked, it, it just, and that's, that is really what I, what I admire most about the system of movement that he created was that uh, he's got a book called Return to Life. And in his book, he said that movement is the first requisite of happiness. So he truly believed that to live a happy life, that movement in your body was necessary, whatever that meant for that particular body. And for some bodies, it's just the beautiful response that you get when you're breathing diaphragmatically in through your nose and out through your mouth. The other piece of Pilates is the movement of the spine. So because our nerves, like so many millions and millions of our nerves get plugged into our spinal cord, whether you have movement throughout your entire spine or whether you don't, it's still necessary to take the movement that is available to you and nurture that. So he believed that the spine, when possible, should move five ways every single day. First of all, there's flexion. Now, I don't want you to mistake flexion for like schlumpy posture. Like sometimes when we're seated, you see people that are sitting, their head is jutting forward, they're squashing all their organs because they're just like, I call it schlumpy posture. That is not flexion. 
when you flex your spine, you're forward rounding it. So you're either, you know, when you go to tie your shoe, that's forward flexion. Or if you're sitting at your desk right now listening, when you curl your tailbone between your legs and create that round spine in the low back, so you round your spine, that's flexion, okay? So spinal flexion is where you can take, you know, segments of your spine and curl them forward not have them passively rounded all day long, which is what we see in a lot of our, you know, in just humanity's posture in general. Like, look at little kids these days. They've got their gaming posture and they're like eight. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, your shoulders should not be rounded forward like that. So spinal flexion is the first spinal movement. The opposite to flexion is called extension. So extension is if you're sitting at your desk and imagine like you are zipping up a jacket, but that zipper just keeps going up toward the sky and eventually your eyes look up toward the sky. That sensation of looking up and creating the opposite, almost like a banana shape with your spine, that's extension. We need extension because we have so much forward rounded posture. We need extension as well because it opens up our hearts. From an energetic perspective, it opens us, all right? And for some people, that's not a comfortable place to be. A lot of people like to be closed or protected. And I know when I was going through my pain uh, journey, I didn't even realize how closed and protected I was until I started doing Pilates. The third spinal movement is rotation. So if you're sitting at your desk and think of like unscrewing, you know, the top from your water bottle, when you unscrew the top from your water bottle, it turns and it lifts, right? Because you're unscrewing it. So in, in essence, it gets taller. So in Pilates, when you rotate, you think about the spine growing as you twist and then you come back to the center and then think of the spine growing as you twist in the opposite direction. That twisting motion is so healthy for our internal organs. It's actually like almost giving our organs an internal massage. It really creates this dynamic experience um, inside the body. So, you know, our circulation will improve, our digestion will improve, elimination will improve, and over time our posture will improve. The little disc structure, so in between each little bone of the spine, it's called the vertebrae, but in between each, in each spine, vertebrae is a little it's almost like a little jelly donut it's a it's called an intervertebral disc and these little discs are like little like yeah like more like jelly donuts than trampolines but they like protect the bones of the spine they create this dynamic experience so if we slip and fall or accidentally walk into a door like our spine can be dynamic that's you know the discs are important for that when we bend our spine from side to side, that's called lateral flexion. That's the fourth spinal movement. And then the fifth spinal movement, you actually can't do it sitting. You have to lay on the floor and bend your knees. And then when you lift your hips off the ground, like in a bridge position, so you're, again, you're laying on the floor flat on your back, your knees are bent and your feet are on the floor. When you bring your hips up, it creates what's called an inversion. So an inverted spine is when your tailbone is higher than your heart and gravity on our planet can then work in a very different manner on the spinal fluid in and around those vertebrae. So when we're sitting and standing all day, gravity is working downward on our body. And so we're actually slightly shorter just before we go to bed than we are first thing in the morning because of that force of gravity. So we wanna invert the spine. And you guys, these spinal movements are safe, 
even if you have like bulging discs or herniated discs or you have osteoporosis or rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis, these movements are all very nutritious and all safe. And so that spinal inversion is one that a lot of people don't realize or forget about because when our tailbone is up off the ground and higher than our heart, like I said, then gravity gets to work in a little bit of a different way in and around the spine and you know the bones and the soft tissues and the fluids. So Pilates can improve your sleep. It can improve, you know, your activities of daily living. You're going to be able to go for your walks or garden or chase after your dogs or your kids or your grandkids without worrying about, is that going to tweak my back, right? It's going to help you improve your sleep. As you move the body in Pilates, we don't really talk about the parts of the body. So we won't do like a leg workout or an arm workout or a back workout or a chest workout. We're actually working through a whole body experience because we're focusing on the system. And this is what I mean by the systems. So we have a skeletal system, which is our bones. We have a muscular system, which is our muscles. We have a fascial system, which is connective tissue. We have a nervous system made up of the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, right? We have the lymphatic system. We have the reproductive system. We have the circulatory system, the digestive. We have all these systems. And this is, you know, when we talked about what keeps me going, Aaron, it's this. If I can teach one person every single day that their body is a group of systems and each system impacts the other, then simple diaphragmatic breathing that is impacting the respiratory system has a trickle down effect to impact all the other systems around it. And so it's a very different perspective on our body and our health and wellness than I think sometimes in the the classical fitness world that I was a part of for decades, it was a pieces approach, whereas Pilates is a systems approach and it just has so many subtle benefits that it, it becomes, it's almost like it becomes a lifestyle versus a way of moving, right? Because even like when I'm going for groceries and I'm pushing my grocery cart, I just automatically think about, you know, my shoulders rolling back and down to make sure I don't have tension in my neck. I make sure that my head is, I always cue this in my classes, like there are those Pez dispenser candies. I don't know if you have those in Spain, but you know, where you bring your, your where so many people have their head forward in this posture that puts so much unnecessary stress and tension in their neck and their jaw. So when I'm walking down the aisle in the grocery store to think about my head, the back of my head, just touching lightly on an invisible headrest, like things like that are examples of how you just start living. So when you learn Pilates or Pilates-based movement, yes, you're learning it on the mat or on a reformer or any other piece of equipment in the Pilates realm. But if you don't take it beyond the mat or you don't take it off the reformer to your everyday life, what's the point, right? And that's one of the values that I work really consistently on with my clients is that how do you connect the dots? You know, we're making, we're doing all this great arm movement in class, but what does that mean for picking up bags of groceries or pushing open a door or shoveling snow? Um, You know, what does that mean in your body? So that's what I love about Pilates. I love the rich history. I love the simplicity. I love how the body responds. I'll tell you this, Pilates is not some things. Pilates is not quick fix. 
Pilates will not leave a, a puddle of sweat on the floor. Pilates is not necessarily instant gratification. It is something that is a practice that takes time and energy and, and not much time, you know, 20 minutes a day. I'm not saying you need like two hours a day, but the outcomes are so substantial. One of my favorite things is, you know, when I open up my inbox and there's an email from a client or someone that heard me on a podcast or saw me on a live or on a webinar. And, you know, one thing that I said completely, you know, changed the way they think about their body or the way they think about movement or their confidence level. And so I just, yeah, it changed my life, right? So now I use it to help change other people's lives. You and I have met each other in Positive Prime, but you tell this amazing story about how it's impacted you and your family. You mentioned this as one of your tools as your morning routine, and I know Pilates is one of your morning routines as well. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, you know, you, you tell this amazing story about how you and your family use Positive Prime for your dinner oh, yes. time, and it's how it's impacted your kids and yourself and your husband yeah. and so on, you know? I just think yeah. it's fascinating to share because it fits right into the Pilates because the Pilates is part of your life in, in some way, you know? Yeah, that is how we met through the Positive Prime um, platform, a, a group that we're a part of together. And so Positive Prime was probably the missing piece for me. I mean, Pilates has a very, you know, mind-body focus. But when I started learning about Positive Prime and, you know, the science and the research behind what the experience is, and I guess if there's listeners that maybe haven't heard of it or don't know, Positive Prime basically is a curated, it could be from a three minute experience to a 60 minute experience, but it's curated photos and there's 2000 of them that are put in like a moving vision board type experience. It's set to music. It personalizes, like it, it, you know, it puts your name into the experience. And while you're watching it, it is lighting up certain parts of your brain that would be like the equivalent of, I know, you know, there's been a bit of research that says after a three minute positive prime session, that your brain is literally positively primed with all the feel good, you know, endorphins for, you know, six to eight hours. And so as I got more familiar with Positive Prime and what I was feeling in my own body and watching the videos, you know, you can personalize it. So I added some of my own pictures into the, you know, into the experience. And then, you know, learning from Kim Serafini, the creator of Positive Prime, like what is a Duchenne smile? You know, like it's it's the way the lips and the eyes are curled upward. And, and that's why they have pictures of people. Even sometimes it looks like there's pets with Duchenne smiles. But what that actually does to the brain, and I got really interested and intrigued by that, I was almost reliving the same level of intrigue that I had for Pilates so many decades ago. That's what I felt with Positive Prime. And right away, I was like, my boys and my husband, you know, I would love them to make this a part of their life. So, you know, I got them all set up with their own accounts and they got their usernames and their passwords. And, you know, it was as, as teenagers and early, at, you know, adults, it was lots of, why are we doing this, mom? Or why do you want us to do this? And so I just explained, you know, the simplicity that, that I just had, you know, mentioned here on the podcast. And they were like, all right, well, we'll try it. So our youngest son, I'll use this as an example. And I think this is the, the story that Aaron is referring to. So our younger two sons, our oldest son was a hockey player, played at quite a high level. And our younger two are golfers. And so our middle guy is actually away at college on a golf scholarship. And the younger, the youngest, Tommy, he's six now, he started his Positive Prime experience. 
At the same time, I was having a discussion with Kim and she was saying how Justin Rose and Jason Day, who are two Australian professional golfers on the PGA Tour, how they were using Positive Prime as part of their mental prep experience. And I was telling my boys this, and I, I should have started the explanation with that about positive prime. So I didn't even have to say another word. And they were like, yep, we want to do this every single day. If Justin Rose and Jason Day are doing this, we also want to do this. So they started doing their positive prime sessions. Tommy went out to the golf course one day and I get a picture texted to me from him of a golf ball in a hole. And I was like, that's great, bud. But he texted me and he's like, mom, I just shot a hole in one. Like it's his, his very first one. He was so excited. So, you know, took pictures of it. He actually became the youngest person at his golf course to shoot a hole in one. And so he, there was this little ceremony and he got this plaque with the date and the hole that it was on, got a picture taken and he was just so excited. So when he got home that night, he walked in the door and he sat down and he said to me, do you think? Do you think that's the positive prime? And I was like, what, 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 what do you think? And he said, well, mom, that's the only thing that I've added. And I shoot a hole in one. And so that's, you know, in his mind, it, it really became very imperative for him to positively prime his brain because he connected the dots between, you know, all of his other training that he was doing, his physical training, and now his positive prime and the fact that he shot a hole in one. So fast forward 10 days, and I get another text from Tommy and all the text says is it happened again. And you know, as a mom, you have a 16 year old, right? I'm like, what happened again? He phones me, he's like, mom, I just scored another hole in one on the exact same hole that I did 10 days ago. <laughs> so now he was like, if he, if he was partially convinced on the first hole in one, the positive prime played a role in that. Now he was like doubly um, convinced. And our middle son was like, why does he get two hole in ones in his, you know, in one season and I don't get any. So he's like, I must have to up my positive prime. So I just love that they have it as again, a tool in their toolbox. Are they consistent every single day? No, but I can hear the music, you know, of a positive prime session coming out of their bedroom. And I'm like that, that's all I can ask for as a mom is that when they feel like they need a little mindset tune up, they have this amazing piece of technology that they log into and they get to utilize. So yeah, it's become a very important part of my family's life. Excellent. I wanted to share that because you're a wellness coach and this is a wellness tool that kids, athletes, professionals, whoever wants to use it can use it. And I just thought it was a great way to piece it in because, you know, you're figuring out pieces of the puzzle to create a wellness part of an individual to feel happy, healthy and successful in their body and mind and spirit. Absolutely. And do you constantly advance your tool set and your toolbox all the time? Or do you feel like it's full and there's no more adding to it? Oh gosh, no. Like there's always, um, not that I have to like, I'm not, I'm not always looking for, um, you know, always new things to add. I'm not doing that at all. I always try and find ways to keep my toolbox fresh. 
you know, make sure that it continues to serve me. Um, we're all creatures of habit, right? So I think that being habitual can sometimes get a little bit boring, right? We can just be going through the motions and the body is habitual. The brain is habitual. So I like to mix up my tools, um, you know, when I can. And sometimes it just means, you know, doing my routine in a little bit of a different order. And not always going through it at, you know, in the exact same, in the exact same way. And, you know, what I would love our listeners to understand is that you don't need to put an hour or 45 minutes or even 30 minutes aside habits. And I I like, I like using the term nutritious movement because think about the nutrition, like the physical nutrition that you take in during your day, like you're going to eat whatever, three to six meals a day, maybe as you go through your day, depending on your, your style of eating. I don't think there are many people that would sit down for breakfast and eat their entire day's worth of food in one sitting. And that's one of the metaphors or the analogies that I like to use with my clients and patients. It's that why do we think that movement has to be like a workout and then we're done for the rest of the day thinking about our body? It shouldn't be, right? So if you can only carve out, you know, five or 10 minute stints two or three times throughout your day, that's amazing, right? Check in with your posture, fill your water bottle. Like, did you know that after we've been sitting for 60 minutes, 50% of the blood flow to our legs has decreased, okay? So if you've been sitting at your desk for longer than an hour, the blood flow to your legs has decreased by 50%. So what does this mean? Why is this important? Well, when you get up and you kind of feel like the Tin Man after a heavy rain, like a little bit achy and you have to kind of walk it off, there is a lack of blood, which is oxygen rich and nutrient rich to all the tissues of the lower body from the belly button down. And so how do we neutralize that or negate that? We get up for two minutes every hour move our body, go outside, get some fresh air. What, you know, if you have to be in front of your computer, you've got, you know, important deadlines, two minutes every hour is all it takes. So for example, like that could be part of your daily routine is that if you are someone that is kind of stuck to your desk, find ways to get up and move around for two minutes every single hour. And if you, you know, let's think about if you work eight hours, that's, you know, 16 extra minutes of movement that just, you just fit that into your day just because you got up and you returned the blood flow to your leg to its hundred percent. Now those tissues can be surrounded by, like I said, I mean, our blood is meant to heal. Our blood has properties that can remove inflammation are like, but when we're seated or when we are not overly active in whatever that means for you, right? We can drastically improve our habits, our movement, our posture, you know, our brain fog. Like, my goodness, when we don't have enough oxygen, we can really, I mean, you're in a state of oxygen deprivation, but you don't notice it. What it feels like to you is brain fog, fatigue. You just feel like you can't keep your eyes open, but it's the middle of the day. Your body is being starved of oxygen. So instead of reaching for maybe a chocolate bar at two or three o'clock in the afternoon when you need a little bit of a sugar rush, what if you did 60 seconds or two minutes of diaphragmatic breathing in through your nose like you're smelling a fresh baked apple pie and then out of your mouth like you're fogging up a mirror? That's what it is. And if you place one hand on the flat bone by your chest or just above your chest called the sternum, and one hand on your belly button, those hands are your accountability. As you're inhaling through your nose, smelling that fresh baked apple pie, try and get air into your bottom palm. 
try and fill your belly button with air. And as you're exhaling, try and melt the belly button away from the, that lower palm. Your hand is up high on your sternum just for you to see if you're actually using your diaphragm, the bottom hand's going to be moving more. If you're using your neck muscles to breathe, your top hand is going to be moving more. And if you're using your top hand to breathe and your neck muscles to breathe, I guarantee that you have unnecessary stress and tension in through the neck. I guarantee that there's probably a lot of jaw tension, low-grade headaches, and that can be totally shifted by just learning how to breathe properly. And it sounds funny because you're like, well, of course I can breathe. I have to breathe to live on this earth, but we can actually breathe in a very disorganized way. And you guys, when you breathe diaphragmatically, like, and you won't do that with every single breath, but like three times a day for 10 to 12 breaths, when you breathe diaphragmatically, you're taking in 600% more oxygen than you are with a regular breath and so you know the 75 trillion cells that make you who you are need at their very the very most basic level they need oxygen to flourish without oxygen our body systems are just lagging and lethargic and we never quite live the quality of life that we deserve to live um, Janet, if there was one piece of advice or one piece of tool you've picked up throughout your time on this planet what would it be that is such a great question. And there's so many ways. I, I don't want to like repeat everything that I just said about breathing, but here's the deal, you guys. Joseph Pilati said, breath is our first and our last act of life. And somewhere in the middle, we forget how to do it. And for me, the basic three, if there were only three things that I built my career around, it would be this diaphragmatic breathing, proper hydration, and spinal movement. As a movement coach, as a wellness coach, as a, you know, Pilates instructor, movement instructor, as a wellness entrepreneur, if I were to write a prescription, you wouldn't have to go to the drugstore to fill this prescription. You would have everything you needed within you, and it would only take minutes a day. It would be to breathe diaphragmatically three times a day for 10 to 12 breaths, It would be ensure your body is properly hydrated because our brain is the first organ that gets hydrated. Our vital organs are the second priority for hydration. And the third priority are the tissues of our muscles, bones, and joints. So it does not have to be true that as we age, we can expect aches and pains. I think it's as we age and we make sure we're breathing, drinking water and moving our spine, we can, you know, a candle on a cake is a candle on a cake. You know, another trip around the sun is another trip around the sun. But again, in the words of Joseph Pilates, you can have a 70-year-old body with a 30-year-old spine and that's the quality of life that person will enjoy. Conversely, you can have a 30-year-old body with a 70-year-old spine, and that's the quality of life that that person will live. You know, it's keeping things simple. It's looking within to create a a very well-oiled machine, you and your body. The body is so amazing at communicating. We just haven't taken the time or spent the energy to learn what it's saying to us. And so that's what I would say is like, that's the trifecta of the baseline of health and wellness, proper hydration, diaphragmatic breathing, and those five spinal movements. If people want to find out more and learn more about you, where can they go? The Meta District is my online movement platform. So it's Meta, two T's, M-E-T-T-A, and then District. 
And it's called the Meta District. I chose that name many years ago because the word Meta is a Buddhist word that means a place of love, benevolence, non-judgment. And so that's the best place to go and see what I'm all about. I do have a gift of three free videos that um, is right there on my on my homepage that people can get a sense of, you know, how I take you through a movement experience. Uh, as an email, just info at metadistrict.com is how people can connect with me directly and then of course on Facebook and Instagram at metadistrict. Janet has been a pleasure learning and hearing about you and it's been a blast. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Aaron, thank you for the opportunity. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.